read the question. You guys read the answer, okay? What do you mean by saying he ascended to heaven? But isn't Christ with us until the end of the world as he promised us? If his humanity is not present, wherever his divinity is, then aren't the two natures of Christ separate, separated from each other? How does Christ's ascension to, he to heaven benefit us? First, he is our Second, we have our own flesh in read the scripture. Ephesians 4, 8-10. Therefore it says, when, it, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. Who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Jesus is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this time, this place. Let our ears and our hearts and our minds be opened by your spirit, guarded by your spirit, and the words of my mouth be uh, acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. It is in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, First off, it's going to be a quiz. We're going to start off with a quiz. Most of us probably don't start off with a quiz, but this one is. What is the Great Commission? What is it? Tell go, we go, go ahead. I won't, I won't kick you out of the church. I won't hold you back from communion, I promise. Usually what I hear, what I'm hearing is, is go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? Um, do you know that you're misquoting that? Do you know that? It's not wrong in saying what you're saying, but you're not quoting the whole verse. We talked about that at Sunday school. 9.15, Sunday mornings, Shannon's plug. It says Jesus has a, a little part before that. And by the way, whenever there's red letters in the Bible, whenever Jesus speaks, um, let's not cut it off. Let's not be like, ah, oh, it's not worth, not worth hearing, not worth he says one thing. He says, all authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. And we like to throw that off as if what he's saying is, hey guys, you can trust me. Right? That's what we think he's saying there whenever he's doing the, the Great Commission. 
And then that's why we just focus on go and make disciples of all nations, baptize, go therefore and make disciples. We, we don't want to uh, recognize that first verse, not because of some sort of uh, sinful reaction. I'm not saying that. I just don't think we want to. I just don't think we see the importance of it. Well, what I hope to do in this sermon, this is what I hope to accomplish, uh, is well, at least one degree, to, uh, one part of this, is at least to show you how important that part of that, that verse is. If I was to write a book, I think it would be about how we misquote that part. How we don't recognize the authority of all things that have been given to this man. He's God. We talked about that. By the way, that, 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 that catechism that we read, my goodness, there's, there's like 50 sermons in that. There's just so many things that could be said about what he's saying there. And so uh, we may... We may get to that point where I preach 50 sermons on that one, but I doubt it. I think uh, I'm just picking a very particular part of what's been said in that, that catechism, which is the importance of the ascension. If you know anything about me, you know that I like to harbor and, and hammer that aspect. Why? Did, uh, we, we think it's just some sort of intermediary time, and we think that we are the ones that have to go make, make disciples um, because he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. But what he's saying there, what he is saying is, is, I have given you the authority. I'm giving you the authority because I have been given the authority by the Father in heaven. We speak about this and we don't recognize that he is the one giving you. He's using you. I'm sorry, folks, but you are a puppet of Jesus Christ's will. And he is wanting to use you. He's wanting to pull the strings in your life to make disciples of all nations. Because the authority has been given to him. We remove that aspect of our lives. This is that he has that authority and he is active and he's using you to make disciples of all nations. And if we had of an underdeveloped understanding of the ascension, I'm standing over here a lot. Did you know this? I don't know why. It's just where I'm standing for some reason. I apologize. If we have an underdeveloped sense of the ascension, we don't recognize the importance of that little fragment. All authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. So, by having an undeveloped sense of the ascension and what he is doing right now at the right hand of the Father, what we do is short-circuit the story of God. We short-circuit what Christ is up to. Right? This Ephesians passage gets at it to a degree. Can we reread it real quick? Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. And he gave gifts to men. Now, let me, let me see, first off, let me, let me say, what I can do is try to give you an illustration. I go over to Royal Manor all the time. And whenever there's a new kid that comes in midway through the year, um, it's, it's common practice. As a matter of fact, Rick Oxley did this to me. This is he takes kind of a popular kid, and he has that kid, that popular kid, show the new kid around. And when I first got there, Rick had uh, uh, Dustin uh, show me around. And the kid was, <laughs> this kid's going to be a stand-up comedian, first off. I mean, this is a completely side story. This kid is hilarious. Um, but also, he was, a, he was a Christian kid, and his dad was a pastor. And so, like, he was, like, he was immediately able to, like, talk to me about the important, like, what are you planning to do here? What's going on? You know, like, he was just, like, this fun little kid. But what he did, what he did was, is he showed me around. And he introduced me to other kids. And he introduced me to, 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 he made my experience at Royal Manor a little bit normal, right? And that's what, that's what they do. 
whenever you have a new kid who comes in, they usually pair that kid up with another person, someone who's already there, someone who's already in the presence of all those other people, and they kind of bring that new person along. It makes them, it kind of uh, orients them to the new atmosphere, right? This is, this is illustration. This is, this is the one, this is a illustration of the ascension, of what Jesus Christ does for us in the ascension. When he ascends, he takes you, and he realizes you are not there. I'm talking about he takes you right now. He takes you from day one, and he starts drawing you into the presence of the Father. You know that? He starts taking you, and he starts getting you to feel comfortable in the presence of the Father. You know why you don't feel comfortable in the presence of the Father? This is the bad part of the story. You're a sinner. You are depraved. <laughs> surprised. If you know anything about me, and I said, what, you, need, you, need, you always got to be, never be surprised by your total depravity, right? That's, that's one thing that I always say. You, and I get that from my one professor. Never be surprised, you know, the Scottish man saying this. That's what you do. You, you never be surprised by that reality. You are so fractured from the Father. You are so removed from what God wants for you that you need Him to become a human being. Come down and be like, come on, come, 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 come back. Come. And make you feel comfortable in the presence of the Father. That's why we're supposed to worship Jesus. That's why we're supposed to love Jesus. Because he is, he is slowly coaxing you. And sometimes, actually very slowly, coaxing you into the holy and righteous presence of the Father. Right? That's, the, that's, that's an illustration. Uh, uh, Dustin, in this illustration, I, I'm sure he would be ecstatic to hear that I have compared him to Jesus in this way, is, is that he coaxes you all along and makes you feel comfortable in the presence of the Father. And by being in the presence of the Father, by worshiping and being close to the Father, you are changed. We've seen this in the Bible. We've seen Moses do this. He was in the presence of the Father. Uh, he was in the presence of God in the form of a burning bush, by the way. Not actually, in, in, I'm talking about not actually in the presence of the Father, the way Christ is bringing us into the presence of the Father. He was just present as, as, as God was in a burning bush. And it says he came down and he radiated glory so much that he had to wear a, uh, 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 some sort of veil over his face. It changed his appearance so much. It changed who he was. And so I found out also that maybe our chromosomes, chromosomal change, he, it changed him so much and in, in, in even his cellular level that he couldn't even be around other folks. His, his glory, he, it changed him so much that people who were so sinful saw the, the, the effect that God had on him that he had to wear a veil. Take that in. You are more intimate with that same God. You are more intimate than that, with that same God than Moses was. You have been affected Far more as ones who are in love with Jesus or those who have been affected by Jesus have been affected more so than Moses have been. Where's your veil? That 
comes from the ascension. It comes from the cross, but through the cross, he brings you to the presence of the Father. I'll tell you a quick story. I used to chew snuff. Did anyone, did I ever tell that story before? Yeah, everyone, like the ladies are like, yeah, and you should because it's gross. It's gross. <laughs> it can be. Now, what I, can't, what I can tell you is this, that when I used to chew snuff, I used to chew it a lot. And I would chew it, and uh, um, anytime that I tried quitting it before, I knew Christ. Before I started worshiping Jesus, I did not experience, I would always have horrible withdrawal. But what I experienced when, after I started uh, uh, seeking Christ, after he, after he took my hand and said, come, 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 come. And he started drawing me into the presence of the Father. He started drawing me closer to the Father. I got this overwhelming urge, this experience that I had, that told me I need to quit. I need to quit chewing snuff. So what I did is I laid it down, and I had, and this is how I tell you, I promise you, I guarantee you, I'm not making this up. I'm not, I'm not uh, using this as an illustration and turning it up to make it more than what it was. I didn't have a single withdrawal. There was something missing in my day-to-day. I wasn't spitting on a regular, on a regular basis. Gross, I get it, I get it. But God freed me of that. And I had a personal testimony of any attempt that I tried to do anything on my own, I couldn't do. But because I was drawn into the presence of the Father, because the Father drawn me closer to Him through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I had freedom. A part of me changed. And I can't explain why other than through the power of the Holy Spirit. That I tell you for sure. That is a benefit of the ascension. Not only is it the benefit of the cross, I've been forgiven of abusing my body through tobacco, yes. But not only that, by being drawn close to the presence of the Father, the one who is all authority under heaven and earth has been given to, to make a disciple, he's making me a disciple by drawing me close to the Father, by making me feel that presence, that beauty that once changed Moses' face where others couldn't even see, he took snuff out of my life. That is good news. That comes from a, a developed, mature sense of what it means that Jesus is ascended. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, Paul's quoting something here. He's quoting Psalm 68. Dan, could you turn it to uh, the, could you quote the psalm, bring it to the psalm? This is what he's quoting. When you ascended on high, you led captives in your train, and you received gifts from men. Wait a minute. There's one or two questions that are happening here. Because the Ephesians text says, you give good gifts to men. What's going on here? Why does it say receive good gifts? Paul quoted it wrong. Paul misquoted the text. Either one of two things. We could toss the Bible because it's all full of inconsistencies or he meant to do something by this. When was, when was Paul writing this, uh, the Ephesians letter? Do you know? Was that after the ascension? Yes. It was after the ascension. And so this, this, this psalm text 
had a shift. When, when you ascended on high, you led captives in your train. Meaning, in the psalm text, when you ascended on high, whenever you came out from, from the earth, you brought these captives, just like he did with me. With the, he brought these captives, and you received good gifts. Here's the difference. Go back to the Ephesians text. When you ascended on high, he led hosts of captives, and he gave gifts to men. What Paul is doing is, is he said, Ah, the Father has already received the good gifts. What was the good gifts that he received? A holy and righteous human being. Jesus Christ came to the Father, and he was the good gifts. And he received gifts from the Father by being the good and perfect gift, the good and perfect sacrifice, the good and holy and righteous being who stands in the presence of the Father. Humanity, for the first time, without some sort of veil, without some sort of uh, shroud or some sort of thing, humanity, human being, stood at the presence of the Father for the first time. Humanity, I'm going to say it again because I feel like they're not getting the importance of this reality. Humanity stood in the presence of the Father for the first time. And it's been what God has wanted forever and ever and ever was to be intimate with his creation. And he's being intimate with his creation because his son ascended to him and brought humanity to him. And he's like, I love my creation so much. And amen, you've given me the gift that I've wanted. And you take part now. You take part in that delight. It's not just that he died on the cross for your sins. That's part of it for sure. But he takes that humanity. He ascends to the right hand of the Father. He gives that good gift. That was quoted in Psalm. Men give good gifts to the ascended one. Paul's like, aha! Now he gives us good gifts. What did he give us? He gave us part of himself, the Holy Spirit, to us, to live in us, to be with us, to comfort us, to make us happy, to make us sad, to make us, uh, to, to comfort us when we grieve, to help us, uh, or more, by the way, Sunday school, that's what we talk about. Uh, beautiful things that the Holy Spirit does, he gives us, it's beautiful. That's the gifts that we are receiving. Not only are we receiving that, we receive through the power of the Holy Spirit the one who brings us to the presence of the Father. Go to the next verse. You see, this next verse adds another layer to it. He ascended. What does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? Now, if you know anything also about me, it's also the significance of what we know to be the incarnation. That God did not cease to leave this story up to its own devices. He was going to come and pierce time, and pierce existence, pierce uh, space, and be in our presence by being a human being. He did not want to create any distance between us and humanity, or us and God, so much so that he was willing to become one of us. And so, you have that. He descended to heaven, from heaven to earth, was born of a virgin, Apostles' Creed here, folks, and he became a human being. 
And by becoming a human being, he, he uh, lived a life. And he started explaining to us. He became the Word. And John talks about this all the time. He was the Word of God to us. He was the Logos. The Word became flesh. Not only did He tell us things about what we are called to do, and sometimes we just kind of slog off like we do with the Great Commission, but also He lived certain things. He picked women, a prostitute, uh, up out of the dirt, and He... Uh, uh, dusted her off and he loved her. He took uh, men who were crooked and, 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 and wicked and he forgave them and healed them. He did all these things. All this stuff. He gave us his gifts and we started to understand who this creator God was because we looked into the face of Jesus Christ. Is everyone with me here? This is what our God has done for us. This is what our God has done for us. I can't jump him down enough for it. Now, what I will say is this that whenever he did, he didn't just die on the cross because that's a huge part of it. And he died for our sins because I'm a sinner and I'm a horrible sinner. And he has forgiven me of my sins because he can do that because he died for it. He took the punishment for himself. The punishment that is deserved for me and deserved for you. And he did that for himself. And not only that, he resurrected. Two weeks ago, we talked about that. A little thing we call Easter. And that's the end of the story sometimes. But then, no. The one who descended has now ascended to the right hand of the Father. He takes that humanity. He never sheds that humanity. It's so important to realize that. It's so important to recognize that what he did is, is that not only was he the one who wasn't going to leave us alone, and not only was he the one who told us who the Father was because we looked in the very face of Jesus Christ, he is also the one who is the perfect amen. He is your amen. He is your life. You have been hidden, hidden. You've been hidden in Jesus Christ. Not by what you've done, but by what he has done. He is your amen. You know what that means? He's lived a life that you cannot live. He's, he has uh, uh, repented for the sins that you didn't even know you repented for, that you didn't even know you committed. He has, he has helped the poor people. He has helped the, 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 the people when you decided you didn't want to do that. He has done the things for you that you sinfully reject. He is your amen. You trust in his amen. That's what it means also. I can keep going. I can keep going, folks, about the importance of his ascension. But you see, the one who goes into the presence of the Father is the one who is the perfect amen who goes for us. And the Father says, I have given all authority under heaven and earth to you, Jesus Christ. And you know what he says to you? Tell them about me. Teach them. Help them to know and love me like you know and love me. That's all. You're giving them a vocabulary. You're giving them a way and understanding. You are proclaiming who this God is. And to bring out an oldie but a goodie, you are pointing to Jesus Christ. You are pointing to the one who is your perfect amen that you know and love. Because he has snatched your hand and he has drugged you, sometimes, at least me, kicking and screaming to the presence of the Father. And you, much like me, are like the blind man 
saying, I was once blind and I can now see. Or you're like the cripple who says, I couldn't walk and now I can walk. I'm sitting here telling you, I am a decrepit sinner and outside of Jesus Christ I have nothing but He is my perfect amen. He makes it good. And I'm going to tell you and I'm going to point to Him in each and every day of my life. Because He's the ascended Lord and all things under heaven and earth have been given to Him authority-wise. That is our good news. Now, that authority that we have in Jesus Christ that has been given to us, He gives to the church to come together and center around this table. Do you know that? We have an opportunity to experience a place where heaven and earth meet. A God who has ascended, who is man, has come and will, will, will encounter us at this table. Do you know that? See, what I believe is, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. He said, this is my body, broken for you. Whoever shall eat of it shall never taste death. Do you realize that? You may die in the body, but you are comfortably in the presence of your Father because of what he has done and what he is doing. Not past tense, but what he currently is doing. So you know what you do when you take this bread? You, you are encountered by the living Lord. You take this bread... And he, in some way, shape, or form, is present. That man who is in the right hand of the Father says, unless you, eat of my blood, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, that's what we have. Also, in that, he takes the cup. He says, this is the cup of a new covenant. You see, in Jeremiah, he says, I'm going to pour out a cup of wrath on all of creation. And he says, you know what? I'm going to take that cup. I'm going to drink that. And I'm going to give you this cup of a new covenant. That wrath is going to be on me, is what Jesus says, and this cup I'm giving to you. Whoever drinks of it shall never taste death. Brothers and sisters, let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon us. We are incredible sinners that have uh, nothing to do with you, but you have everything to do with us, and we thank you for that grace. We thank you for that kindness. And so we ask that the many grapes that have been picked from many fields come together like those who are under your wing and in your kingdom come together. And like the grain that has been made to make this bread, let us all come together at this table and let us be encountered by you. We ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you fill this cup and this plate and this bread with your spirit. It is in your Son's holy name. Amen. If you hunger, if you hunger for what I just told you, if you hunger for the things of God, no one can stop you. You want to know who Jesus is? You want to experience Jesus in a new way? Come to this table. Can I have the elders here? Let your heart be your hedge. the center.